Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We are now on Red Circle as well as Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the Five Reasons YouTube channel. You can find all of the other South Florida content there if you like and subscribe. Also, check us out on FiveReasonsSports.com. Unlike the newspapers, we do not have a paywall. And on Playback, we'll be on Watch Playback uh, on, well, what is it now? What are we talking about? On Friday. We'll be there Friday for Heat Celtics Game 2. So join us. You can chat with us. You can watch the stream. And check out the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network. Includes You Break Wheel Fix. You can find them in North Miami. This is a complete wheel solution. They do the part coating, the rim refinishing. They do everything there. You know, South Florida, road's not so good. I experienced this recently. Reach out to Mark. If anything goes wrong with your wheels, he will repair them for you. Mention five reasons, and you get a discount as well. Again, based in North Miami, check them out. You can also get the Dolphins colors, the Heat colors, the Hurricane colors. You can even get Orlando Magic colors. We're going to talk to our guests today about that. Go to ubreakwheelfix.com or ubreak, that's with a U at the start, ubreakwheelfix on Instagram or Facebook. Again, mention five reasons to market his team there, and you get a discount on your order. And now, take this episode. Down the best game. Yikes. Uh, five on the floor. Ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, ran bubble frogs. Just like Buck said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing. Got an all band. Y'all seen the block. Stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust. It's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, welcome back to Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. I got Alex Toledo. You can follow him at Tropical Blanket. And our guest today from Basketball News, someone I've known since he was about six years old, uh, you can follow him at Alex Kennedy, NBA <laughs> On Twitter and also his work over at Basketball News. He's based in the Orlando era area, excuse me, uh, covers the team that's had a little less success in the state of Florida over the past 15 years, but we're not going to blame that on him. Alex, we appreciate it. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Let's start here, uh, and I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit today, so consider yourself a representative of the entire national media. All right. Okay? All right, so we're going to put you in, in that spot. Because here's, as I understand things, and maybe you can help explain this to us. When the Miami Heat win, it is either because the weather was too warm (laughs) for the Knicks shooters, Mm -hmm. or the Heat didn't win enough quarters against the Celtics. That's now been a consistent theme for three series against the Celtics, that what counts is not the final score, but how many quarters you win to the point that I predicted this before game one, and that it actually happened, not only from the media, but from Joe Mazzula himself, that uh, that the Celtics had won three of the four quarters. So I guess in the old Continental Basketball Association terms, they're leading the series because they get points for that. Um, there are still national media members who, I mean, this team has been together now. This core has been together for four years, pretty much, the Jimmy Butler core. They still don't know how to pronounce Max Struess's name. Uh, it seems like the only thing they can talk about with the Heat is culture, 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 culture. South Beach flu. Right, exactly. Occasionally, Spolstra, Jimmy, that's pretty much about it. Uh, nothing else really needs to be said. 
and it's weird to me because for four years, the Heat were sort of the center of the basketball universe where everything they did was scrutinized because LeBron was here. But it seems like since LeBron left in 2014, like nobody follows this team anymore except who they beat in the postseason. And it's always about them. Giannis getting beat. The Knicks getting beat. Uh, you know, it's not a failure, of course, if, if the Bucks lose to the Heat. Uh, and now we've got this situation here with the Celtics where we're talking about quarters. Beating themselves. Why do you think that is? Yeah, beating themselves. First of all, I just say, <laughs> watching the, the post-game show you guys did the other day, and, you know, Ethan, you make the joke about winning three or four quarters, and then for Missoula to say it, like, minutes later in a press conference <laughs> is perfect. You couldn't have scripted that. It was incredible. Um, but, no, I've You didn't get the NBA thing. script? There is an <laughs> yeah, yeah. script. Are you aware of that? <laughs> it's it's amazing. But you're right. It does definitely does exist. I mean, you see it a lot from the national media. Um, you know, I've had a theory for a while now that um, especially like talking heads uh, on TV shows and sports radio and things like that, they're picking and choosing what games they watch. And so I think they tend to go toward the narrative and they're talking about some of those things you guys mentioned, like, oh, Jimmy's so great, culture. Like they have like their their points for each team that they fall back on. And then maybe they watch like a handful of games or there's a certain team that they watch mostly. Uh, and then they just catch that team uh, or, you know, they'll catch the heat whenever that they play their favorite team or something like that. You see that from some people in the national media. Um, I, I think for whatever reason, there's this belief that what the Heat are doing is very fluky. And we saw that the same thing came out of after the bubble. Oh, it was a fluke, da da da, da. Even though this team keeps doing it, for some reason, uh, they get labeled, you know, a, a fluke. And I think it's very strange. I saw you guys tweeted earlier today about just, it's kind of inside baseball, but about just how the Heat don't really leak a lot of things. Uh, they don't roll out like a, a red carpet for the national media like some organizations do. Like some organizations, when you go there as a national media member, you get treated perfectly. You get one-on-ones with whoever you want, and you get all the content you could ever ask for. And it's, it's you know, you see that. The Heat are very fair. You know, I think, if anything, like e- even dating back to like the, the big three days with LeBron, Wade, and Bosh, you know, they don't really play favorites. If anything, I think they reward people like yourselves who are there all season long cover this team closely, not the people that just show up one or two times during the season or just for the playoffs. Um, and you don't see that from a ton of teams. So I think that's a factor as well. Um, and I saw some people in that that Twitter thread too pointing out that, you know, there's a lot of people that are from a lot of national media members that maybe came from New York or LA mm-hmm. or Boston. And Miami doesn't have as many people that are, you know, from here and then now are national media members. Uh, so maybe that's part of it too. There's some bias uh maybe potentially uh, so yeah there it's interesting to me there's a lot of different factors involved i'm curious to hear what you guys think of it because you definitely see it exists uh it's not like there's some fan bases out there that like oh the media hates us and yeah. it just seems like they you know are, are looking for certain things ignoring all the praise they get but i do see it with miami i don't think it's something that is just dreamed up by heat fans i think it does exist i, I don't think i want to go to alex on it the other alex on it uh but i, I don't think it's hatred i just think it's it is this desire to diminish whatever has yeah. happened here. Uh, and, and it started to a certain degree with LeBron coming in 2010, where it was sort of like, we don't deserve him. Like, that was, oh. that was the perception. We're not, we're not blue-collar enough, right? He belongs in Cleveland. Why would he come here? But, but I'll say this about uh, – Kevin, I, I did tweet out the thing about access journalism, okay? And you're in that field. Like you, you, I mean, I mean, national media, you have broken plenty of stories. You have plenty of contacts, but I've heard this from many, many national guys. Oh, the heat don't give us anything. 
They don't give us anything. And that's the way that this works. And there's one very, 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 very prominent national reporter. I'm not going to mention the name here. Very, 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 very prominent. And I literally witnessed him get into an argument during the Big Three era because he was put up at the 400 level mm. by the Heat. Okay? Three-letter three, <laughs> three, three letter nickname. And, 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 like, he was literally put upstairs while the rest of us schleps were downstairs. That doesn't happen in other places. And I, I do think that there is, because there is this sort of access trade that goes on here. I scratch your back. You give me access. I say good things about your people. The Heat, first thing, they just don't give a damn. Like, Pat has never cared about that kind of thing. But I also do think they reward, I agree with you, they reward the people that were there every day. I, I feel like they they feel like those people understand that the, the culture for real, better yeah. or worse, and they take care of those folks. But we do know that a lot of that access, I mean, look, I've done that access trading when I've been a national person, too, for Bleach Report. It's part of the gig. Yeah. But the Heat just don't play. <laughs> they don't play. But, but I guess the one other thing, and then I, I want you guys to discuss this, too. You know, Riley, the thing about it is, I tweeted this the other day. Pat Riley has been part of 25 conference finals now. 25 as, as a player, an assistant coach in L.A., a head coach in L.A., a head coach for the Knicks, a head coach for the, for the Heat, or a president of the Knicks. 25. Like, literally, that's like half of his adult life because he's now in his late 70s. He's been in the conference finals. I don't see think pieces on ESPN about Pat Riley, the way that you did about Phil Jackson, the way that you even would about Greg Pye. It, it does seem like there's some natural bias against him. I've always, I've always, I don't think he gets the flowers nationally because again, I don't think he gives a damn. Interesting. Well, and if it's his front office and his organization, that's, you know, he'd be, he'd be the reason why the leaks aren't happening or maybe the, the access trading isn't happening. So maybe that is part of it. Maybe it's, it's, you know, looking at this front office and thinking, okay, we never get any scoops. We never get any one-on-one interviews. We don't get maybe what we want. So even if it's not like an intentional thing, it could be a subconscious thing where, you know, it's just not, you're not getting all these national stories and like puff pieces on the heat because they don't have those opportunities to sit down with someone one-on-one or, you know, maybe it, maybe it's uh, intentional. Maybe it's not, I, I don't know. I, who am I to say? Um, but yeah, it, it is interesting uh, that you don't see the same coverage about Riley uh, about this team in general. Um, it, it is interesting. I'll say that. <laughs> I want to let you guys deep dive on this series a little bit. So let, let's start here. Uh, 1-0, the Heat going to Boston. They've won three straight game ones on the road uh, as as an eight seed. Um, and I want you guys to get into the basketball piece of this. I, to me, what's remarkable about this team is that they've simplified everything. They've just like – it's just like they know exactly what they're supposed to do now. They don't panic. There's a stat that came out. They're 5-2 and two now. They've been down by 10 points or more in the playoffs. Uh it, it's really kind of, it's just kind of a crazy story. I, I just, on the basketball side of it though, I mean, are, are would you be surprised if the Heat won this series? I wouldn't. Um, you know, it's interesting. I saw the thing entering the series, like the ESPN thing, like they have a 3% chance of winning. And from the start, I thought that was crazy, even before they won game one, because you look at this Boston team all, all season long and uh, even last year at times, this was a team that has been inconsistent they kind of play with their food and it's kind of the opposite of like Miami where Miami is so disciplined, so poised. I think we even saw Spo at halftime or uh, after the game say at halftime, 
we knew what we had to do. You know, they weren't rattled despite the lead uh, or the deficit, uh, Boston's lead. And they knew what they had to do to come back in the game. And they never feel like they're out of a game. Uh, so I feel like that's not a great matchup for this Boston team and, and some of their tendencies and how they play. And then to see what Miami did in game one, it, it just kind of strengthened my belief that they really do have a shot in this series. Um, I saw Steve Jones Jr. from the dunker spot say something really interesting after game one. He said that uh, that game seemed like a culmination of everything that Miami's been building and kind of working towards over the last few years with what you saw from Bam being aggressive, not really hesitating at all. Um, you saw obviously Jim, Jimmy being incredible. Uh, we know he's going to step up. Um, the guards were aggressive, made a huge impact. Lowry looked great, did his part. The role players are stepping up, hitting big shots. It really seemed like everything kind of worked out the way that Miami wanted it to. They had this balanced attack. Uh, not only did they have, I've seen everyone mention, you know, the six players that had 15 or, or more points, which tied an NBA record. They had six players that hit multiple threes. It was a really balanced attack. So, you know, it's not like uh, I don't look at that game one performance and say, oh, this is fluky. They can't really sustain this. They can't do that again. It, it was a balanced attack. It's something that we've seen them do this whole postseason. So I, I do think they have a shot in the series. Uh, let's jump in. So it's interesting you say that because I really just thought it was, you know, the Celtics beating themselves and it had nothing <laughs> to do with the Heat's <laughs> game planning, had nothing to do with their finding solutions, you know, against the team that they played now three times in the last four years. You know, it's got nothing to do with any of these things that, that happened on the It was floor. the weather. The weather again. <laughs> Yeah. Of course, in I Boston, mean, going, it was going the from yeah the humid the humidity in Miami up to I mean to Boston <laughs> that's a that's a big change, man. I'm surprised that he were able to pull it out. I mean, if anything, it just makes their win more impressive. But no, really, I mean, I think Steve put it in a great way, and you know, of course, always shouts out to Steve and Nikias. They do some incredible work. They are one of the the actual like handful of national outlets that cover every team incredibly well, including the Heat. Because I, yeah. I know Ethan, Ethan was talking about that today on Twitter, and really the Dunker Spot was one of the only uh, ones I could come up with that come, that, that come up with um, consistent, mm -hmm. you know, up top great heat coverage. You know, just yeah. shout out to them. But really, I think what he said was perfect when you talk about you know everything culminating here. I think we saw a whole season of them actually playing with their food, but you don't see it in the playoffs. And I think yeah. that's really where things have changed because they had those moments in the season. But they also had the most clutch games finished with the second best net rating in the clutch, despite, you know, the high volume of clutch games. And so, you know, they had an entire season of all these different types of scenarios. And they spent all season talking about these situations are going to get us ready for the playoffs. And Ethan said it last night on the show. We all really kind of rolled our, rolled our eyes in a way when, you know, hearing that all season. And it, it, it sounded like almost um, justifying these bad losses and just having this season where you almost end up not making the playoffs because of the position you put yourself in, you know, to go from that to where they're at right now, it's insane. And that's why maybe some of that feels, you know, that's why they're being downplayed. They're the AFC, they're this and that. But mm -hmm. like when you go down and dig deep into what they're actually doing, they're legit just finding solutions to these other teams. And that's why like a lot of it comes down to Spo. A lot of it comes down to, the guys having executed so many different game plans throughout the season, they're not rattled. Like they're so poised and they just figure it out throughout a game. Like last night um, we had mentioned, you know, on playback where we watch with the fans um, the first half, they messed up in some ways that felt a little bit controllable where the Celtics mm -hmm. kept getting to the rim over and over and over. 
Um, you know, the Celtics got up 14 shots at the rim in the first half. In the second half, it was just three. Mm-hmm. And then uh, on the Heat's end, they only took four shots at the rim in the first half, took nine in the second. And then on the defensive end, the Heat scored eight points off turnovers, 18 in the second half. Uh, and it was, you know, flip-flop for the Celtics. It's so on and so forth. The, the Heat's whole game plan is keeping teams out of the paint, forcing you into turnovers. They were not doing that. That completely changed in the second half. They dictated the pace from defense. And we know from covering this team, you know, throughout this era, when they're defense first, when they have the game plan ready, when they're executing that game plan and playing off of that first, forcing guys into the turnovers, they win. But no, I mean, I guess I wish it's the Celtics beating themselves just like they did last year when the <laughs> when they were losing games to the Heat. <laughs> well, what do you think? To I mean, to that point, the Celtics are expected to win the thing now. Like this, right, Alex? I mean, that's 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 where we're at. Like, I mean, the Lakers are a great story in their own right, and 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 not a traditional eight seed because they have LeBron, they got AD, and they made major additions, in the, you know during the season to change the dynamic of the team. I guess seven seed. Um, and Denver, I don't know. And, and again, they're playing tonight as we speak here. I don't know if everybody buys them yet. Cause we just haven't seen them do it, even though they seem to have the most talented, maybe, maybe most talented roster top to bottom and, and arguably the best player. But I, I'm looking at the Celtics situation. I'm like, I can't think of a team that it, recently that was expected to win like this, but has a coach who hasn't been tested at all in these situations. Like he's been entrusted with this thing by default, basically, right? They had to make a quick decision with the Udoka thing. Yeah. But to me, he, he looked in over his head last night. Is that their biggest problem in this series, maybe? Uh, I think so. I think especially when you look at uh, just the matchup against Spo. I mean, that's I, it's insane, just the, the difference in experience. And um, I, I kind of feel bad for Missoula because he was kind of put in a crappy situation and it's not his fault that he's super inexperienced. And yeah, he's made mistakes, but like first year coaches do that. So it, Why it's are you uh, so defiant about it though. <laughs> yeah, that, that's fair. Uh, it, there's been a lot of mistakes. Uh, I, like even like playing Peyton Pritchard, the guy's barely played since March. And then you put him in your rotation uh, there's just some questionable things like that. So, well, why would I he play know. over? Well, let, let's deep dive on that. Why would? Yeah. Why is he playing over Grant Williams right now? For example, I know it's a different position, but Grant Williams is a guy who had playoff success last year and against been a starter for them at times. Right, the switchability there. Yeah, it makes no sense to me. I, I it really was confusing. I think you guys even pointed out too, announcing the Robert Williams decision like a day before, just like certain things that you don't see from experienced veteran coaches so uh i think you notice the gap more when someone like spo is on the other sideline and i know that's one element of the series that's been talked about a lot too but um yeah i mean i I do think that's one of their their biggest issues just the fact that you don't have that experience um i I think uh i'm curious to see what he does throughout the series because we know spo is going to tinker he's going to make those adjustments game to game he's going to you know see what boston does and and what adjustments they make and then counter them but missoula i'm curious what he ends up doing here uh because there's people right now i mean if you go on twitter people are saying i mean celtics fans are saying he should be fired he's a few games away from losing his job and i don't know if that's the case you know uh again he's a first year coach maybe uh he'll grow into this and, and eventually become a great coach that we're all talking about it's just so tough to judge because it is his first year. But again, we've seen uh, during this postseason uh, plenty of coaches that maybe we didn't think were going to be fired uh, are ending up being let go, whether it's Monty Williams, uh, Coach Bud, Nick Nurse, uh, Doc Rivers. I mean, some of those have a, a stronger case to be let go than others, obviously. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, I'm curious to see what he ends up doing in the series and what kind of adjustments he makes. Well, and, and you mentioned that that puts more pressure on him in a sense. You have four guys, yeah, not that Doc's ever gone back to Boston, but you got four guys who won coach of the year who were recently fired. Four guys who great replacements for, out there. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Four four guys who want to combine six coach of the year awards are sitting out there right now. And that doesn't include a guy in Vogel who won a championship. I know you're familiar with in Orlando. So add mm-hmm. him to the list. So you've got five legitimate experienced coaches plus other up and comers. We've seen uh, the heats, Chris Quinn get interviewed all over the place. Um, the other assist, other top assistants. And, and yet, you know, Missoula is being entrusted kind of with this sort of golden goose here to a certain degree. And, if they don't win, it's going to come down on him because there is – it's just so weird to me. I'll just say this. It makes me feel really old that Spo is like the old experienced guy now. Yeah. Right? Like all of us. <laughs> like the fact that, you know, now we're at this stage where like he's the grizzled vet who doesn't make mistakes. But I guess that's what happens over this period of time. All right, we're going to go rapid fire with Mr. Kennedy here on some league stuff uh, I want to get to with him. Uh, do want to mention a couple more sponsors the 5 Reasons Sports Network. Friends over at MiamiGamingParties.com. Maybe that's what Missoula could do if this thing doesn't work out with the Celtics. You have a gaming party at home. They customize everything for you. You got graduation parties coming up right now. This is a great thing to do for your kids. Or if you're a big kid, maybe you want to host your own party. Again, they'll let you choose the game. They'll let you choose the venue. They got VIP packages, all that cool stuff. They'll bring the PS5s to you. It's MiamiGamingParties.com. Check them out. Great new concept here in south florida also our betting partner is better edge go to betteredge.com use the code five that's five rsn for this one this is legal betting it's legal in 44 states it's based in minneapolis you don't have to worry about are ever going to see my money no this is legal betting and the reason is you are betting against others who use it you're not betting against an app or a bookie or anything like that so go to betteredge.com Use the code 5RSN. Get $20 to play free with that. It's just free money. They're handing it to you. And we run tournaments for as little as $5 a day. So check those out. Our guy, Sean Rochester, is hosting a betting show on the 5 Reasons YouTube channel. Go to betteredge.com. Use the code 5RSN. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you'd do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is time for what? If time was unlimited, how would you use it? The best way to squeeze that special thing into your schedule is to know what's important to you and make it a priority. Therapy can help you find what matters to you so you can do more of it. I've benefited from therapy. I went through some life changes, major life events, had some difficulties, wasn't a believer in therapy, but it helped me and it can help you also. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Miami Heat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Miami Heat. All right, let's go around. Let's go, we're going to do these quick here, okay? So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get a couple of hours and give you a couple. You've done a lot of Wemby content lately, okay? Was San Antonio the right place for him? 
I think so. I think I want to see him go to like a stable organization that can help him realize his full potential. Uh, I'm a huge fan of his game. Obviously, just he's a freak in terms of his size and athleticism and skill set. But, um, you know, I've heard tons of great things about his character, too. I interviewed his trainer, Tim Martin, and he raved about his attention to detail, his ability to learn something one day in a gym and then do it in a game the next day. Um, you know, he just seems uh, like a really mature kid for his age. So going somewhere where you can learn from Greg Popovich uh, and who knows how much longer Pops can be around. But even, I mean, that whole organization is so stable. There's a reason so many organizations copy the Spurs model. Um, so, yeah, I think it's great. You know, you look at the other options that were out there. Um, you know, there were some that maybe don't have the same stability uh, that that we'd see in San Antonio. So I, I love it for him. And, and they have a nice young core around him, too. So I, th- I think it's, uh, it's a really nice fit. All right. One more for me. Uh, you've been around the Magic a lot feels like they, they kind of got out of the mediocrity stage and kind of trying to bottom out with a lot of young talent. How far away are they from being dangerous? Dangerous? You know, I think they could be like a play-in team next year, potentially, especially with what they do in the offseason. I, I think the biggest thing they need to do is try to put some shooters around Paolo, Franz, and Fultz in that core they have. Um, you know, I'm really impressed with what I saw from Paolo. Um, Wagner has exceeded all my expectations, you know, early in his career. Um, I've been really impressed, especially what he can do offensively. I did not see that coming. Uh, Fultz, I mean, Markel Fultz was someone that was talked about so much earlier in his career. And then now in Orlando, no one really talks about him much, but he's become such a pest on defense. He's really improved and become just a really, really good player. So it's been fun watching his development. I think, again, the next step is kind of putting some shooters around them so that they can, they're so good at creating for themselves, but I want to see them create for others too. And, and they can do that. So um, I think kind of for spacing reasons and, and taking advantage of the fact that they have those multiple facilitators, I'd love to see some shooters there because they only had one guy on their team that shot above 40%. And that was Gary Harris, uh, you know, from three. So I'd love to see them, uh, you know, address that. They have the sixth pick and the 11th pick in the draft. So, I mean, they already have this crazy young core with a lot of talented pieces. Now you add in two more, lottery guys to that or maybe you know they try to come up with a trade uh they definitely have a nice core and i think they could take that next step uh this next season and then as far as like being dangerous as far as like a contender uh i think it really depends on kind of how they approach this do they go and sign a number of free agents can they put together a trade since they have so many young pieces um i think they could be a contender potentially a couple years down the line uh but it really depends you know if they make the right moves but yeah, I, I love the direction they're heading. I think they kind of built this thing the right way. Alex? Yeah, I mean, good thing for it's a good thing for the Heat that the Magic didn't somehow end up with the number one pick because that would have been a scary sight, um, you know, for the Heat and the rest of the Southeast Division. Um, speaking, you know, along the lines of draft stuff, you know, we asked you about Victor. What do you think about the consensus um, right now kind of being, you know, Scoot number two to the Hornets? Brandon Miller, number three to the Blazers. How do you feel about those guys in those situations specifically? I think it makes a ton of sense. You know, as, as soon as we saw the lottery, my first thought was, you know, people are going to talk about, oh, do the, the Hornets pass on Scoot because they have LaMelo? I don't think you can do that. You know, we talk about Wemby a lot. It's a generational prospect, but Scoot is so special too. I mean, we've seen him dominate uh, against G League pros since the, you know, since he was 17 years old. He's so electric. There's a reason he's been compared to a young Derrick Rose, John Morant, Russell Westbrook. You know, he has like shades of those guys in his game. He's a really, really special player. So I think he has to go number two. Um, And then number three is interesting. Brandon Miller is a a super talented guy as well. Um, But does Portland stay there? We've heard the reports Mm -hmm. that they could be looking to move that pick. Um, I'm not sure if that's the smartest move. Uh, It really 
depends what you can get back, obviously. But and I get them trying to, you know, go with like a more win now approach because Dame Lillard's there. You want to keep him happy, put some more pieces around them. But I'm not sure they're they're a contender if they make that trade. You know, I'm not sure they're just one trade away from being a top team in the West. So it'll be interesting to see what Portland does. Um, you know, it might make sense to actually, you know, keep the pick and, and make that selection. But yeah, I do have it uh Wemby Scoot Miller uh and Portland's interesting I'm curious to see what they do as far as uh you know not only whether they trade that pick but what else they do this offseason too because it's kind of a big summer for them well that was going to be my next question it's actually more of a statement well what why wouldn't you trade Dame at this point the value is never going to be higher than it is right now right he's played he's logged a ton of minutes he's had injuries in recent years like you mentioned they're not going to get somebody for number three or their other young players that's going to make them an instant contender there. Why not just rebuild around Anthony Simons, Shaden Sharp, the number three pick, and a bounty that you get for Dame now? Like that, that seems, especially if you're looking at the West and you're trying to compete long term with, you've got New Orleans, Utah, and OKC, who basically own the draft for the next yeah. 10 years, right? Like, so, I mean, do you really want to be in the middle? Like, it feels to me like you've either got to try to bottom out to compete with those teams or or you got to contend immediately and they're not going to contend immediately. Yeah, I'm a big believer in that, too. Like, there's no worse place to be than in the middle of the pack. And we see, uh, you know, in July, Dame's going to be 33 years old. He's coming off a monster season uh, where he was just so dominant offensively and, and was incredible. Um, so, yeah, I, I it is there's definitely a case to be made for do you trade Dame? I think it's interesting because his loyalty, you know, he's said that he's fine staying in Portland the rest of his career, even if he doesn't win a championship. He's like, my career is a success if I'm the best players, player in Blazers history. Uh, you know, he's almost like a, a small market GM's dream because he wants to be there. He's even said, it's okay if I don't win a championship. Obviously, he wants to compete, but um, that's not something that he has to – that's not a box he has to check in order for him to consider his career a success. Um, so – would the fans be upset? I'm sure that's something that the front office is talking about. Like, you know, based on the comments that he's made, he they would kind of look at the bad guy if they go ahead and turn around and trade Dame now. But to your point, the value, there's never been a better time. The value's at an all-time high. There'd be a ton of teams that would be out there lining up to get him. You have the number three pick. That's why I think this is such a big summer for them because it really is kind of, there's two paths. You know, you trade Dame and you build around Simons, the number three pick, you know, the, their young core there, or, uh, you know, Sharp or you uh, potentially move some of those guys. But yeah, I guess my thing is I really don't think that they're a contender, even if you can package the number three pick with Sharp and some other pieces. So uh, it, it's, it's a tough call to make. It's a really tough call to make, uh, but I, I'm very curious to see how they handle it. Well, and, and I'm going to let Alex close here with, with the heat question. I, I just, to me, it reminds me of the KG thing. Like there's a certain point where you just got to make that decision. KG was loyal to the Wolves for years and years and years and years until he finally wasn't. And like, like this feels yeah. like a moment where I don't know that the Dame's legacy in Portland would be damaged significantly because I, I think that the fans there would understand he stuck it out longer than anybody thought he would. And, you know, he, he deserved, I view him different than Bradley Beal. I don't think Bradley Beal cares. I feel like Dame cares, but he doesn't want to say it right. Like he doesn't, mm, he doesn't want to alienate yeah. Portland. I really don't think Bradley Beal cares about ultimately you know competing for a championship and all that because he's seen what it is in washington for a long time and he's always going to sort of cycle back there all right we'll let the other alex close here with the heat question and then let you run follow uh, alex kennedy at alex kennedy nba and his work on basketball news go all right so basically just wanted to ask you here so 
you did a feature, a big feature story on kind of the heat culture for Hoops Hype about six years ago or so, uh, around the time when they had Dion Waiters, James Johnson, around the time that they pulled off that 30 and 11 miraculous second half of the season run that ultimately ended in them not just failing to make the playoffs. Um, what have you seen since then, you know, since you were able to kind of get that peek into heat culture, what it's grown into, and the fact that they're doing this now, this run with an eighth seed? And also, just quick pick for Heat Celtics for the rest of the way. And are we in the midst of something special right now? Yeah, I think uh, it was so much fun doing that article because I was able to talk to a few players and staffers from the Heat and, and, you know, it was all off the record. So they were able to give me good stories and things like that. But it was interesting being able to hear, uh, you know, detailed stuff about the workouts, about, you know, getting everyone's BMI down. And we've heard the stories over the years and stuff, but like the books they have of all the different transformations in the body and, and just some of like the, because we hear about heat culture all the time. But like the reason I wanted to do that article is like, what does that actually entail? What does that, you know, mean behind the scenes and how does it translate to success on the court? So it was great being able to talk to some of the players and hear some of like the, the stories, like uh, the team at that time had uh, a saying like no fake gym rats. Like we don't want someone that just shows up to the gym and basically, you know, post it on social media and gets to say, oh, I'm working so hard. I'm a gym rat. But then, like, doesn't actually put the work in, you know, skips the weight room and does that kind of stuff. So it was cool being able to hear, you know, some of those details. And I do think that um, there's a lot of people in that organization that have kind of contributed to that culture. You know, obviously, you think about Riley and Spo, uh, Haslam, like guys like that right away. But there's people behind the scenes, too, like in the strength and conditioning department. And uh, there's a lot of people that have contributed to this. And I don't think it's any coincidence that uh, Miami's going on this run right now. Um, they've just been able to do so many things. They get most out of their players. They find so many diamond in the rough guys that they know will fit their culture and their system and how they want to play, which is like what you want if you're an NBA team. Because, I mean, you can bring in guys that you think are talented, that are undrafted and stuff like that. But when you actually have like a type and a guy that you know will fit, uh, it's so much easier to find those kind of guys and you can kind of plug them in. So I've been so impressed with like the talent they've been able to find and then how they've been able to maximize, uh, you know, the results from those kind of players and really help them realize their full potential. So, yeah, I mean, I think this this stretch, we're going to look back on this stretch of like uh, the, this heat run and talk about something special because uh, it's really from the coaching staff to the front office to the players, they've been able to identify talent, get the most out of everyone, really – uh, they've come together so nicely. And I think, again, as we mentioned at the beginning, it's a culmination of like several years of work to be able to put this kind of product on the floor uh, for, for a while too. It's not a, a one series thing or it's a sustainable thing that they can keep up. So to answer your last question, as far as a pick, I do think this thing goes seven games. Um, and then I think it's, it's tough. I'll, I'll say heat and seven, because I really do believe that this Boston team has some issues with, staying in games and and focusing and they're so inconsistent um I, I would not be surprised if the more disciplined poised team ends up winning um and jimmy butler has been so incredible in clutch situations i would want him in a game seven so yeah i, I think it, it could go either way just to be completely honest but if i had to pick i would say heat and seven yeah i think that's exactly what i said before yes. the series I, I i think it's going seven and i think it's a coin flip in that situation but if i'm gonna flip a coin um, I think it flips towards Spolster and Butler is kind of the yeah. way that I'm running after watching game one, but we, we'll see. I think we're in that situation. What you mentioned about the whole culture thing and bringing in players, it's to the point where the Heat gets, and you know, I think you know this because you cover the draft extensively. 
the, after the draft ends, it's like every agent is trying to get yeah. his undrafted guy on the Heat Summer League roster because they know that they're going to be maximized there. That they're going to get a uh, they're going to get a legitimate like a guy like Haywood Highsmith. Another team would not see a role for that guy, but right. it's very clear from the very beginning when they signed him, they saw him in exactly the role that he's probably going to play in this series. The once Sixers the Cody let Smith go. The, the Celtics let Max Struess go. Struess I mean, go. The Hornets let Caleb Martin go. Yeah, well, right. And that's the thing because they see something. It does, it may not. They might. Player might not have every skill, but they have one thing that they see that they can build on. See, they're shooting. Or it's okay. This guy can guard, you know, man to man, or something like that. And they're like, okay, we'll figure out the rest. We'll work around their deficiencies until we build that up a little bit. And it is to the point where Adam Simon gets a million calls after the draft, and it's like, I don't have room for all of you, uh, you know. But we'll try to make the best of it. All right, we appreciate. It. We'll always have room for Alex Kennedy here. Thanks uh, for the time. Follow the Alex Kennedy NBA and at Basketball News. And thanks to our sponsors, Better Edge. Use code Five RSN. Prize Mix didn't mention that one, but use the code Five. Get on there, get your initial deposit matched up to $100. MiamiGamingParties.com, YouBreakWheelFix.com. We will see you guys after game two. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, better the reward you put in the hours the energy the tough labor you are a fighter and medela is your reward medela the mark of a fighter drink responsibly beer imported by crown import chicago illinois everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day that crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.